the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody, to Southern California Live. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. It is so great to be with you today on this fine Monday afternoon here in Southern California. Great place to be. We are so blessed to be in this wonderful place, and I hope that you you are here, and whether or not you're just visiting or driving through or or uh, flying in, if you're flying in, I guess you're not because of American Airlines, or maybe you're stuck at uh, the airport. Um, whatever the case may be, thank you for listening to our program. You can always get this show, even if you are out of town, just download the KKLA app, go to kkla.com or kprz.com for San Diego area and download the app. You can also find KKLA and KPRZ on iHeartRadio's app. And you can always listen to this program. We're on from three to five in Los Angeles every single day. And you can join the program. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. That is our number. So grab your coffee, get a refill, drive through a Starbucks or uh, or some other uh, fancier place uh, than that and get your coffee for the rest of the afternoon if you're a coffee person or whatever it is you like to do. Maybe you just like to get a cup of water, probably uh, better for you uh, to do that. This hour... One of the things we're going to talk about is uh, some pretty serious issues that are going on across the world, of course, and in our country, and it's the issue of abortion, but also we're looking at adoption and other things, and uh, I want to, and other things related to that, um, and so we have a guest who will be on here in just a couple minutes to talk about that. You know, the world is, is uh, it's a crazy place that we're living in today, right? It is just a, a very interesting, uh, and, you know, I would say it's spiritually interesting, like what is the Lord doing um, in the world? I think he is stirring things up. I like to think and be optimistic about things to say, you know what, there is a time coming for sure when people are going to leave the faith and do all kinds of stuff uh, and just be away from God, and then the end times are going to happen, I think, at that point. But I also think that that could be far off, and maybe we're going to see the greatest revival we've ever seen. And that might be because we're living in an era that I think is causing people to ask what is true. And it's following up an era where we have made sure to obscure whatever is true, where we're struggling to discover what is true. And younger people are saying, well, what is true? What is real out there? Now, there are all kinds of things that are going on that uh, are changing uh, things. We're going to talk about that uh, later in uh, this hour. You can join the program at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. The reason I'm bringing it up is today, there's a couple of things going on today. One is today is the beginning of National Adoption Month, and so it is a month where uh, we'll be considering adoption and uh, all the things that are involved in, in that. Also today, the Supreme Court started hearings on the Texas law that has been uh, so much in the news today. The Supreme Court, they're not actually considering the law today, and uh, they are considering some technicalities in it and how to move forward. There's a Mississippi law. So the Texas law is you've got to have, you can't have an abortion if a heartbeat is detected. The Mississippi law is uh, you can't have an abortion after 15 weeks, and that's the one that they're going to hear that case actually in December 
They probably won't decide on it till June, okay? But uh, they're going to hear that case, and that's the one, actually, that they think might change things, that might change the laws in our country. Um, and that's an, interesting, that's an interesting thing, whether or not it's going to change the laws, because um, it'll change the laws. Most people think that what the Supreme Court would do if they overturn Roe versus Wade is that they probably will not grant uh, citizenship or personhood to the unborn child. They will probably let states decide for themselves. That's kind of the consensus of what would happen. And states have that notion, and many states have what are called trigger laws, that if the Supreme Court were to make that decision, there are laws that would instantly go into effect, and some of those laws would protect uh, abortion, and some of those laws would outlaw it or have different levels of, of outlawing it. Let me challenge you this way as we think about this subject. I think that dealing with the subject of abortion in Southern California is different than dealing with it in other places. And I don't think it's different for a really good reason. I think it's different. Can I challenge you a little bit? I think it's different because as believers, as the church, we don't like to talk about it. Uh, as believers in the church, we tend to be, even in, even in the church as a whole, um, more blue than red if you want to put it that way. And if you, if you take on abortion, well, it's very difficult to be on the blue side of, of the team if you do that. Uh, and then on the red side of the team, we seem to want to talk about abortion a lot, but we don't talk a lot about helping people through it or how do we increase adoptions? How do we spend our time actually uplifting people and helping women who are in crisis pregnancies? There are so many things that uh, we can do. Uh, and uh, that we should talk about. I want to challenge you in this way. We need to have a better national conversation about it, and we need to recognize that regionally it's probably different, a different conversation, and it's going to be different in the big city than it is uh, in some rural areas, even in our own state. What do we do about it? Well, this is National Adoption Month, and uh, are you adopted? I'd love to hear from you. What was your experience with that? You can call me at 888-52-TALKS, or have you ever adopted a child? Um, or have you given up a baby for adoption? 888-52-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. That is our number if you want to call in and be a part of this conversation. What can the church do better uh, to increase the number of adoptions? What can the church do better to have a more productive conversation that isn't just left and right? I mean, another thing about this conversation is, we tend to only have it every four years whenever there's a presidential election or whenever there's a Supreme Court justice that comes up. You know, we talk about it. But as soon as that's over, as soon as the election is over, as soon as uh, the Supreme Court nominee is placed on the court, uh, we stop. We stop talking about it. Uh, why do we do that? And that's the same with a whole lot of other issues. You're listening to Southern California Live. This is Pastor Scott Furrow. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. All right, what are your thoughts about that? So one of the uh, experiences that is really a great one is when you actually get involved. The Scriptures teach us that we should be concerned about those who are the least among us, that those who are... uh, suffering the most. James, the book of James is such a great book if you study that book, because James is kind of right in your face, right? It is right in your face. He's not pulling any punches. And you have to understand that James is the brother of Jesus. Uh, If you believe 
if you actually believe that your uh, brother is the Son of God, which James finally came to believe, uh, can you imagine that? Your brother is the Son of God? I mean, he must have had a hard time uh, growing up with that. You know, I heard a comedian one time say, did, James, did Mary look at James and go, why can't you be more like Jesus? There must have been all kinds of pressure, right, as the uh, younger brother of, of Jesus Christ. Um, he eventually comes around. And he doesn't pull any punches. And I'll bet it's because he had conversations with his brother about the world, about truth, that are probably different than anybody else. Like the conversations you have with your sibling are a little different than you'd have with other people. Imagine the siblings of uh, Jesus Christ together uh, with his sibling there, James. James one twenty six. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me ask you this question. How are we doing as a church looking after orphans and widows in their distress? Are we doing a good job with that? I think we could do a whole lot better. You're listening to Southern California Live. If you want to be a part of our conversation, the number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, we have a guest who I think will be coming on this hour, but uh, we're waiting for him to be here. So you can be our guest by calling those numbers, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Years ago, I had the opportunity to volunteer at a pregnancy counseling clinic here in Southern California. And one of the things that went on there, uh, it was it was a pro-life center. And so they would not do abortions and they would not recommend abortions. Um, but people would come in, young girls would come in, and sometimes they didn't know that uh, that wasn't really an option there. But they would get an ultrasound, and which often changes minds, by the way, just to have that uh, that. Uh, ultrasound done. It's an incredible thing. Well, this one woman came in and she was bound and determined to get an abortion. She was 16 or 17. She was a kid. And her parents were literally throwing her out of the house. They were not going to cover her. They were upset with her. They're angry with her because she'd gotten pregnant. And she had nowhere to go. And she's, she was just adamant about getting an abortion. And she said, this is what I want to do. And we'd say, no, there's these other things. And, nope, nope. Well, there was a man in there who happened to be a person of great means. He was a wealthy guy, and he served in there. And he listened to her story, and he offered to take care of her, all expenses paid. And you know what happened immediately? She changed her mind. It didn't, she didn't have to go home and think about it. She didn't have to take a moment. She immediately said, okay. And he had a, a, a guest house, and he allowed her, to, her parents allowed her to move in there and stay there. And he took care of her all the way through the pregnancy. She kept the baby. He made sure she had health care and everything to take care of that kid. And he saved a life. Now, most of us don't have that ability. Um, some of you do, but most of us, to, you know, as individuals don't have the ability to do all that. But collectively, you bet we do. How are we doing? Hey, let's take some calls. we got quite a few. i got Daphne from Los Angeles. Daphne, welcome to the Southern California Live program. Daphne, are you with me? Daphne, hello? All right, Daphne, I'm going to put you on hold again, and I'm going to take another call, and we'll see if we get a better connection there. Uh, Frank from Orange, welcome to the Southern California Live program. How you doing, Frank? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. So I guess what I was just thinking out loud a little bit was, 
if we're we have tax taxpayer funding to you know end end lives through abortion, why don't we have you know funding to help people that want to keep their child? Right, that's an excellent point. Why don't we have funding to help people do that? Um, why do you think that is? I don't. You know, it's kind of sad, but I don't think there's that incentive. I, there seems to be such an interest in, in getting rid of the population, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's incentivized. I think it should be. You know, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, something that you can do about that. Um, one thing you should do is always write these ideas to your congressperson, okay, and do that. I think there is a reason, by the way, just not to be terrifically cynical about it, but I think that we like abortions as a culture. I think that there is a part of our culture that wants to make sure that abortion is always available. See, we've moved from safe, legal, and rare to now it seems like for many a badge of courage to to get one or that maybe you aren't um, you aren't qualified as a, as a woman or something. I've heard some people say, if you haven't got one, sometimes we celebrate them now. Uh, even in the Obama administration at the beginning, it was safe, legal, and rare. But over the period of time during those eight years, that attitude changed. And I think the reason we don't have as much funding uh, for that, we might have a guest on here who can speak to that here in just a minute, um, right after the break. But I think one of the reasons maybe we don't have enough funding is because um, we don't want it as a culture. It's a place we need to pray. Write your congressperson. Really, really do it um, and uh, do that. Uh, let's see. You know what? I, uh, I What I'm going to do here is uh, I've got your calls on here, uh, and uh, I want you to hold on. We do have a guest, and he has called in. So uh, I'm going to take a break a little bit early here. This is Pastor Scott Furrow, the Southern California Live program. We'll be back right after this this break. Please hold on. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you again today. And this hour, we started talking about the topics of abortion and of adoption, as this is National Adoption Month. And uh, we have a very special guest with us. You can join the conversation at 1-888-888-52-TALKS, 1-888-528-2557. Some of you are on hold. Just hold on there. We'll get to your calls here in just a second. But I want to bring my guest on. Uh, Herbie Newell is with us, and uh, Herbie is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services and uh, its ministry arms, uh, his bio has to do, uh, says. Uh, Herbie, welcome to the Southern California Live program. Pastor Scott, thanks for having me, and what a pleasure it is to be here and to be able to have this discussion with you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today, and I know that you're busy because you're in uh, Washington, D.C. today, is that right? That's right. In Washington, D.C., kicking off National Adoption Month, and then unexpectedly was able to be at the Supreme Court this morning uh, to to witness the oral—well, I, I didn't get to be inside, but to, to witness uh, Attorney General Paxton after making oral arguments before the Supreme Court today. Yeah, I uh, saw that also on your uh, Twitter feed today that you were there and outside and uh, looked like an encouraging environment with people coming out to— uh... Uh, talk about those things. Can you speak to the uh, Texas law and what's being uh, talked about with that for our audience here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Texas legislature uh, took the opportunity uh, to pass legislation that would in in, in fact 
uh, ban abortion after a fetal heartbeat was recognized, right. uh, the Texas heartbeat bill. Uh, but what they did, which um, the Supreme Court actually, Justice Sonia Sotomayor said it was very clever or ingenious, <laughs> is instead of actually making legislation uh, that would make it punishable by the government, they actually put the onus back on the woman receiving abortion. Therefore, if an abortion procedure was performed on a woman after heartbeat was detected, she could then sue the abortion provider. Um, and so it, it, it really, in a lot of ways, especially when the pro-abortion side has co-opted the term pro-woman, this is a bill that's very pro-woman that's telling a woman if a provider takes your child away after a heartbeat is detected, then you have the right uh, to take action against that provider. Uh, that is one of the best explanations I've heard of it. I think when that law, uh, when the law came out and the, refu- the Supreme Court refused to stop it uh, in September, uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, I heard people just flat out say that they had overturned Roe versus Wade or that they upheld this law. Really, that really wasn't the case. They just decided to allow it to go into effect. And uh, this is the area that's controversial about it, correct? That's right. So, and I, and, and I mean, even a lot of the things that were discussed uh, today at the Supreme Court, and, you know, at first the three li- more liberal-leaning justices were really questioning, well, what's to stop a state from trying to, to you know, take the Second Amendment and suspend the Second Amendment? And I thought right. Texas Attorney General and the Solicitor General for Texas did a great job answering those questions to say, well, there actually are constitutional rights and amendments for the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. There's no constitutional right for an abortion. It's a created right within the Supreme Court. Mm. And so it's a, it was an interesting – it was interesting, the oral argument today, because they really didn't even revolve around as much abortion or what this law really sets out to do, but more – you know, could could other states do this? And and I thought the, the interesting point that I, I hope comes out is that abortion is not a constitutional right. It's a created right that was created by seven justices on the Supreme Court in 1973. That's right. And I think that's one of the things that this happens with the Supreme Court and stuff. Sometimes we think it's all about abortion, yay or nay. But very often with any subject, it's about the technicalities of the actual law being passed. Right. And that is uh, yeah. what this law is, uh, what they're talking about mostly right now. That's so true. And, you know, the the legislature, the Congress nor the House have ever really legislated on the abortion issue. As a matter of fact, they continue. We have senators and and House of Representative members that continue to say that abortion is a constitutional right. Yet they've never mustered the courage to even bring legislation for their constituents. And I think uh, the encouraging trend that I see is I think because more and more as we have ultrasound technology and as this, the generations, especially that are coming to age, Generation Z and their predecessors, the millennials, they're really one of the most pro-life generations because they have uh, the heartbeat detection so early and, and they have these ultrasounds that show a baby in the womb. And so you're, you're not able to fool this generation as quickly to say that it's just a clump of cells, cells or it's just a, a fetus. They know that that's a living, breathing child in the womb. 
And, uh, and, and, and even the encouraging thing today, Scott, was at the Supreme Court, when you looked at both sides, I would say that the pro-life side that were out there and, and encouraging the, 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 upheld, the uphold of the heartbeat bill, there about 80% of the people were, on, on, were pro-life and about 20% of the people were pro-abortion. And so when you even look at that, that's so encouraging to see today that the pro-life movement is, is, is building that kind of steam. That's right. And, uh, you know, what you're saying about the ultrasound and stuff, it is so correct. And the funny part is, is that what are they doing? They're following the science, right? And the, sci- <laughs> That's right. the science today says that the uh, unborn child is, uh, has a heartbeat. It looks like a child. It's not a clump of cells. Anybody can see that. Um, in fact, I remember when, when we were having our first kid, uh, the first ultrasound, I didn't expect really to see anything. I went to the appointment with my wife, and I just thought, okay, we're going to do this. But it was really early on, I don't know, six or seven weeks in. And I saw the heartbeat, and I was immediately moved. And then I left the doctor's office angry, just that how can anybody not believe that that is a human child and thinking about it as, as my son. And I think that people see that, and they have the same response because everybody can see it. Um, so when we when we get into that, the other side of it often today is, okay, well, what are we doing then to help women who are in a crisis pregnancy who don't believe they can support the child? Or they, they, you know, there are some people who just, for matters of convenience, probably most abortions maybe are in this category. Maybe you could speak to that. But many people, women who I deal with in the clinics and in counseling are just terrified of what it means. It wasn't planned. Sometimes it's just a boyfriend, one night stand even sometimes. You know, there's so many questions that go, and the abortion is an easy out, uh, or it would seem to be. It's not, but it seems like it is. That's what gets presented. Uh, the other side of it is, what is the church doing if we're going to be uh, pro-life or if we're going to be anti-abortion? What are we going to do to help women in crisis pregnancies carry the baby to term and then uh, uh, support the child? And that's another place where you come in. You are uh, the head of Lifeline Children's Services. Why don't you tell us some about that and um, how that works and a little bit of maybe even about yourself and your family. You know, what, what has led you in this direction to be in this kind of ministry and work? Yeah, absolutely. So we really were led into this ministry as a family from my wife, and I, and I met her in college, and she knew exactly what she wanted to do when she graduated. She wanted to be the director of a crisis pregnancy center. Huh. Uh, she knew many women um, that had had these crisis pregnancies, and she wanted to be able to minister to them and to show them the love of Christ. And so, interestingly enough, uh, I was a CPA and would come home, and we would pray over the women that she had met at the clinic that day. And it just led us to saying, we've got to do something more, really even to what you're saying, uh, to show that we truly are pro-life, and we've got we've to surround these women in their time of need. And the truth of the matter Pastor Scott, what, what we have seen over 18-plus years of ministry together uh, is that the women come to us, and they have a litany of problems. And most people would think That's right. that pregnancy ranks up there. And the truth of the matter is many times the pregnancy doesn't even hit their top ten of issues that are going on in their life. Mm. And what the abortion industry is trying to sell them is, hey, we'll help you with your problem. The truth of the matter is all they're doing is aborting your child. 
but you leave the abortion clinic with the same litany of problems. And as the church, if we lean into these women and help them address the issues that they're going through through the gospel perspective of, of helping them and showing them the love of Christ and wrapping around them in their time of need, helping them find education, helping them find job skills, helping them find life skills, helping them see a future, then we can see uh, truly women do remarkable things. And so through Lifeline, we want to come alongside and provide that discipleship. We want to connect young women uh, to local bodies of Christ where they can have support and love, where they can have people that are wrapping around them. And then ultimately, for those women who choose adoption, we want to provide adoption for them. We want to provide uh, two-parent homes where these children are going to see the love of Christ, where these children are going to be able to experience love, but also from parents who understand the sacrifice of, of a biological mom. And, and those, these mothers are sacrificing so much, and we want to have families that are going to help their children understand the love of their mom, but are also going to minister to these women. And so we wrap around them in, in various ways. We also want to provide opportunities for women to get on their feet. You know, many times one of the greatest barriers is lack of work, um, lack of, of, of pr- provision. And so if we can help these women find a way to provide for their children and even provide short-term respite opportunities once their child is born, um, we believe that most women, it, it's bent up in them that they want to give life to their child. And even if you look back in the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories of Solomon and his wisdom, these two women, they go to sleep. In the middle of the night, one woman's child passes away, um, and she goes and cleverly tries to switch the child with the other woman's child. And they wake up the next morning, and they go before King Solomon, and he looks at uh, the women, and he goes, okay, I'm going to split this living child in half and give half to each one of you. And, and the Scripture says, the woman whose child, living child it really was, says, by no means let her have the child. And I believe even in the wisdom of the Lord, he was showing us bent up in the heart of a woman is the passion and the desire to give life to her child. And if we can help remove the obstacles and the barriers to her, to life, we really believe and we see that women choose life. Yes, that's absolutely right. You're listening to the Southern California Live program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and uh, my guest is Herbie Newell, the president of Lifeline Children services. Herbie, I got a call that's been waiting a long time. Uh, I want to take that call. It's relevant to where we're at right now in our conversation. Diana from Los Angeles, welcome to the Southern California Live program. And uh, thank you for staying on hold all this time. Diana, are you still there? (laughs) Well, maybe she didn't stay on hold all this time. (laughs) You know, uh, that happens. But uh, all right, Diana, try again later. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557, if you want to be part of the show. Uh, Herbie, tell us about, you know, in that subject, and I think it matters greatly, everything you just said about, and her question was going to be about how the church can pray and how the church can be actively involved more in helping with people get uh, adopted. Um, Tell us how Lifeline Christian Services, tell us about that uh, organization and how we can connect with that. Absolutely. So one of the things that I think is so vital in, to Diana's question is, and we, we think it's trite a lot of times, but, but to pray, to pray for women. 
um, that are going through these situations that uh, are, are struggling with this decision to intercede and to wrestle with them in prayer. And, you know, uh, it was actually my sweet wife, Ashley, uh, that, that thought of this one night, and she was like, you know, with all these women that are, that are struggling with these decisions, I bet they don't have parents. I bet they don't have a family that's wrestling with them in prayer. Um, we need to get prayer warriors who are going to wrestle with them in prayer. And you know what? The, the great thing is we may not know their name. We may not know where they are. We may not know their life situation. But we pray to a God who made them, formed them, and knit them together in their mother's womb and knows their name and knows their thoughts and knows their place. And so I, I really believe we've got to start our intervention on our knees before the Lord. And we've got to ask the Lord to, to wrestle with these young women. And, and, and to that point, real story, a young lady in Atlanta, Georgia, she went into an abortion clinic, and unbeknownst to her, uh, her uncle was stirred to prayer for her. Now, this was a young lady who had an uncle that was praying for her, but he was stirred to prayer for her. She goes in. Um, one of the things that Planned Parenthood has to do is they have to give an ultrasound. They do not show the results typically to these women. They do an ultrasound, and this, this, this young lady just happened to see the eye twitch of the, of the sonographer, and she said, I want to see the picture of my children. And she said over and over again, no, 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 you don't need to see it. Everything's okay. And she said, I want to see the picture of my child. The sonographer turns the picture around, and the, the reason that she, her eye had twitched is that it wasn't just one child. There were two children. And so this woman um, was so distraught, she asked if she could have a moment. She goes out to the lobby. Her uncle is praying for her, and at that moment, a woman and and, and I have this lady on a podcast, and I can give you that, that link later for people to hear for her, this story from her own words. She goes into the lobby, and a lady comes up, puts her finger to her mouth, and says, leave. She left at that moment, and she gave life to her twins. So we really have no idea how the Lord will intervene if we'll wrestle in prayer. So wrestle in prayer. And then the second thing is, is have our lives available to mentor, to love on, to care for, to wrap our arms around these women. You know, they have OBGYN appointments, and there's probably no one to go with them if they're going to parent this child or if they're going to give life to this child. And we need to go with them and be there. And the hard thing about all of that, the second step of action and being present, is that when we get become present with these women, we're stepping into their hurt, we're stepping into their pain, and we're stepping into their sorrow. And sometimes that sorrow comes back, uh, to us, and we start to experience that sorrow and pain. And that's hard, and that's difficult, and that's messy. But if we look at God's Word, He never calls us to something easy, uh, that's peaceful. He always calls us to the thing that's hard. He always calls us to the thing to, that's difficult. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience the fiery trials. And so we need to step into the hurt and the pain of these women, wrap our arms around them, and, and live life with them. And then I think really third, is we need to have a correct doctrine of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Yes, we need to condemn the sin, but we need to love the sinner. And we need to realize that the sin that, that we see in these women and in these men as well uh, is the same sin that we're struggling with, manifested maybe in a different way. And, and the Word of God says that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And so I think as churches, we need to truly continue to preach abstinence, and, and we need to continue to preach a, a, a godly sexual ethic, but we also need to love these women and, and show the love of Christ and point them to the gospel of, of Christ Jesus. Because I believe, and I know you believe, the only thing that will truly reorient their life 
is the gospel of Christ Jesus. And then I would say, fourth, we need families to step up and say, I want to love a woman and I want to adopt a child. And, and that is so crucial uh, on that fourth step, because I believe as more women start to choose life, we're going to see more women need to choose the option of adoption. Wow, that was um, all of those steps. Start with prayer and go with them and be present. It That step is so huge to be with the person going into these clinics. I've worked there, and they walk in alone most of the time. These women are, are terrified uh, yeah. and don't know where to go. Uh, you know what? Diana called back. Diana, welcome to the Southern California Live program. Uh, sorry we lost you there. No problem. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Thank you for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I really love everything that the that the person who was on right now just said, and I think in order for adoption to happen, I think the church needs to think of, because the first step before adoption, you have to be a foster parent in California. So every day there's 21,000 children living without a stable family in Los Angeles. And there is an organization called the Coalition of Christian Foster Care Ministries, you can find out more about them at um, fostercarecoalition.com. Right. And their mission is to connect the family of Christ in L.A. with children in foster care who desperately need them. And their motivation is that they understand not everyone can be a foster parent, but anyone can help a child in foster care, whether it's yeah. praying for them, whether it's mentoring them, guiding them, supporting them, uh, befriending them, encouraging them. Um, bringing them to church, taking them on outings, giving their current caregivers a break. And the way that they do that is... Diana, thank you. I've got to go to a break, Diana. I don't mean to cut you off. I appreciate all of that. And uh, maybe we'll touch on that here when we get back from the break. Um, And our guest is Herbie Newell. He's the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. And you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Please stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. With me today is Herbie Newell. Herbie is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the abortion laws that are up in front of the Supreme Court. And now we've been talking about adoption and the church's role in this. And he's given us some just amazing advice for what we should do in the church. Start with prayer and then go with uh, the young women who are considering abortion or adoption, and be present, he said, step into their hurt. And we need to have correct doctrine of the gospel, and uh, families in the church need to step up. And I think that's a really big a big one right there. Uh, Herbie, what is the situation with uh, kids who need adoption in the United States today? Yeah, so even to what Diane said right as we ended that last segment, you know, there really are a lot of kids in foster care that that need to be adopted and and I don't want to forget those kids right and the thing that we can't forget as the church is every last one of those children their parents chose life uh, they could have terminated those lives through abortion instead right. they chose life and so being pro-life does mean that we need to care for those kids in foster care but I think that even highlights Pastor Scott's why the importance of why we need to be intervening for women who are pregnant today as well and providing hope so that those kids don't end up in the foster care system. And and really, kids ending up in the foster care system means that the government has intervened where the church should have intervened. And so Mm -hmm. my hope and my prayer 
is that is that we will intervene. But as far as the needs for adoption, you know, unfortunately, uh, there are tons and tons of families that would be willing to adopt uh, an infant today uh, that, that, that a woman might want to place. Uh, but because of the heinous abortion laws that we have throughout our country, um, we have we have kids instead uh, who are, are who are being killed at the altar of convenience when there are families that would would want to step up. And so, um, it, to put that in perspective, you think of the the over million abortions that are that we know that are performed in our country every year, and there are about thirty thousand infant adoptions. So, uh, and at any given point today, there are probably about three million families that would be willing to adopt an infant. So. We truly could take care of those children through adoption um, if, if we could get this life-giving counsel to these women. Yeah, that is excellent uh, advice. And for the church, I think it is a place where we have got to do better at stepping up at not just talking about the legal side of abortion. You know, of course, we want the laws to change, but we we also want the hearts of people to change. And we've got to be in relationship with people in order to do that, in order to, we got to be active and involved. You wrote a book. Uh, I'm look, I looked you up online. Do you mind if I Googled you? That's what I did. And yeah, uh, that's great. <laughs> you wrote a book called uh, shifting from uh, image bearers, shifting from pro pro birth to pro life. And uh, you talk about having a more full pro life attitude, including how to take care of the kids once they're born. How can the church help in that area? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of the things we looked at in the book are very similar to to some of the things we've already said, but really the whole idea of the book was to say, um, as we care for the the vulnerable, the vulnerable woman and the vulnerable child, we need to do two things. One, we need to realize that we go because of what the gospel does to us. We were sinners. While while our our, our attempt at righteous acts were but filthy rags, Christ Jesus died for us. Um, he gave himself for us, so not because of any worth in us, but because of his worth, his glory, his beauty, and his sinless life. He gave that for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. So because we've been given this gift of grace that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us, we go to those who are hurting. We go to those who are marginalized. We go to seek justice, but it's not justice for justice' sake. It's gospel-driven justice. We go to sow justice so we can put a taste of the gospel of Christ Jesus on the mouth of those who are perishing, on the mouth of those who are so are vulnerable. And so we, we go because we've been called by the gospel, but we go to show the gospel. And I think that's so important because so many times we can get led into justice and doing justice all for the sake of, of doing good. But we do good so that we can show the gospel of Christ Jesus, which is really what will change and penetrate lives. And so in image bears shifting from pro-birth to pro-life, we really started talking about a whole life pro-life ethic. And what does that look like? And one of the things that I would want to encourage your listeners is we need to advocate for pro-life laws. We need to advocate for the end of Roe versus Wade. But we need to also realize that sin still will reign in this world and in our country. Therefore, when Roe versus Wade, Lord willing, is overturned, our job does not end. As a matter of fact, it intensifies um, that we are continuing to reach out and to to love the marginalized and to care for the oppressed. And so it's looking at 
if we're on the other side of the postpartum ward and is excited about helping a mom on that side, as, as we were today gathered at the Supreme Court for the oral argument, then that's when we start to see the church raise up to this pro-life ethic that we believe when we're on the other side of the postpartum with open arms, welcoming moms and children. Uh, it, it also really realizes that being pro-life starts in our homes. It means daddies stepping up and leading their homes spiritually and, and speaking about sex and a sexual ethic to our children at appropriate ages so they understand that sex is meant to be in a covenant fidelity of marriage. It's a beautiful thing, but just like a fire in a fireplace, it's beautiful when it's in its place. But when it gets out of the fireplace, it's extremely destructive. And so we need to talk about the beauty of God's gift, but also the destructiveness when any of God's gifts are misused, mishandled, and abused. And so we need to start teaching. That's, that's really, Pastor Scott, what I believe is the beginning of our pro-life ministry is when we teach a sex ethic, a biblical sex ethic to our children. And we need to, to teach it to our community. We also need to stand up for, for racial reconciliation and not yep. from a, a critical race theory standpoint, but right. from a, a belief of knowing that every person of every tribe, tongue, and nation needs to hear the gospel. And once they hear the gospel of Christ Jesus, what does God's Word say in Romans and Ephesians and Galatians? They're our brothers and sisters. And so we believe in racial reconciliation because those are our future brothers and sisters that we want to take the gospel to, and that's pro-life. And so we need to have a, a, a correct view on gender identity and a biblical view on uh, what it means to be man and woman, and, and that is pro-life. And so all of these things are, are shaping our pro-life ethic so that as we go, we're, we're taking this pro-life ethic not in a, in a sense to be legalistic, but in a sense to be gospel-driven, to share the gospel and to make disciples. And so that's really what we set out to do, is, is we don't want people to see this as, as just some social justice crusade, but we want them to see this as obedient to the Great Commission and obedient to the first and the second greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's all super good stuff. You know, in the last hour of our program, we had a discussion about if there was a a new Reformation today, talking about yesterday being Reformation Day and what it would be. And uh, the conclusion that uh, we put out there was, the first Reformation had more to do with what the Church believes, but the new Reformation is about what the Church is supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and that it's not just enough. you got to believe, and that's where your salvation is, and that's where everything is. But if you really believe, as Jesus says, if you love me, the result is you will keep my commandments. Right. And if we love Jesus, we will be out there engaged with people who are hurting and people who are struggling. Um you are the the head of Lifeline Children's Services. Is, are there programs or ways that if you know, I'm listening and um, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, there's there are so many subjects here that even you just tied into this. It's amazing, actually, when you think about it, how many subjects are tied into abortion and adoption and how it affects everything else in our country. It affects every political race. It affects right and left. It affects, which then has a trickle effect into everything else. And it is because of the the sexual ethic and the biblical ethic being uh, ignored so often. Um, what are the ways that the church can act and can the church connect with uh, your organization at Lifeline? Uh, what are some ways that can do that? Yeah, so 
really the easiest way um, to get information is to go to lifelinechild.org. Uh, and as we've said, this is National Adoption Month. The second Sunday in November is actually Orphan Sunday. And so if you go to our church resource section on lifelinechild.org, we have bulletin inserts. Uh, we even have sermon guides. If a pastor wanted to use that um, to expositionally and biblically take his flock uh, through the Word of God, we have small group guides. We have ways for, for churches to, to really bring to bear even the practical things that we can begin to do for orphan and vulnerable children and vulnerable women. Uh, also on that church section, we have many church-based ministries um, that, that we can work on reconciliation of women that have, and men that have lost their kids to foster care, to care for kids in foster care, but also to care for, for women in crisis. And then I think one of the biggest ways that uh, a lot of folks can begin to get engaged, and you can find that again at lifeonchild.org, is ways to mentor women going through crisis pregnancies. And, and Pastor Scott, I'll tell you right now, real quickly, unfortunately, a lot of child welfare organizations that once called themselves Christians have bowed down to the new moral majority. And so we've been asked to try to make sure that we can work with women in all 50 states. And the only way that, as an organization, we can do that, and this is our mission call, is to equip, the, is to equip God's church. And so we need men and women who are willing to, to mentor these biological families and, and walk love life with them. We have a curriculum called Worthy, and that Worthy curriculum actually helps a layperson be able to walk someone through their pregnancy, this pregnancy journey and to walk through this journey. And Worthy just talks about that these men and women are created in the image of God. And that's what we see is so many times that these biological parents, we, we tell them all the time, hey, the baby in your womb is, is special and unique and made in the image of God. But we also want them to know you're worthy. You're made in the image of God and your life counts. And because your life counts, so does the baby in the womb. And so uh, we'd love to have folks volunteer for that and get engaged in that. So many different resources that I could go through that are at lifelikechild.org. And then to Diane, uh, there, there are several churches in Southern California that have great foster care ministries, that have great adoption ministries. Um, and if you do a simple, if you go to uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans uh, yeah. website at CAFO, uh, .org. You can also connect to a local church that's already engaged and involved and see how you can help, that church can help your church get engaged. Hey, Herbie, I've only got a few seconds left, so uh, I want to thank you for being on Southern California Live, and uh, I'm inspired. I know our listeners are too, and uh, I'm going to pray for you real, real quick, all right? God, I thank you for uh, for Herbie and what you're doing in his, his ministry with Lifeline Child. I pray for his wife, Ashley, and his family, that you would bless them, that you would protect them uh, in this ministry and give them strength and encouragement in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Herbie, thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. uh, My pleasure. All right. Everybody, the website there for, uh, for Herbie's organization is lifelinechild.org. This is Southern California Live. You can get our podcast at kkla.com. Do that. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.